Welcome back to Studio Break. I'm your host, David Linaway. Today we'll be joined by Amanda Smith for a very exciting, very compelling interview where we'll talk about landscape and painting and movies and all sorts of good stuff. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Studio Break. Um, today I'm excited to be joined by uh, Amanda Smith. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Dave. Um, I, I did a, I had the pleasure of doing a, a residency with uh, Amanda back in, um, gosh, I think 2009 at, at Art 342. So uh, it's great to have you back. Uh, to at least, at least good, good to have you back in, in terms of conversation. <laughs> um, and so uh, my my first my first little lob to you um, uh, is there anything that just looks so enticing for you to see this weekend uh, aside from the new Twilight movie I think is coming out soon. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, yeah, there's a great, um, I'm in Bloomington, Indiana, teaching at uh, Indiana University, and there's a great university cinema here. Mm -hmm. um, so they have, I guess, a series of Agnes Varda shorts that are going to be playing tonight. Um, and I'm not going to be able to see them, but if, if I could, that's what I would go, go check out. So Interesting, interesting. Um, yeah, and, and Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> You're not being serious. <laughs> um, okay, you know, you, some people, you know, I, I, I hear rumors about uh, people's uh, guilty pleasures. Yeah, yeah. Um, we can get into that later. Mostly law, <laughs> mostly law and order. But um, um, so, could you just tell us a little bit um, too? Um, did you where did you go to school and and grow up? Um, I grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, I was born out in Washington State and ended up going to undergrad there at the. University of Puget Sound in Tacoma, Washington, and then I got my MFA from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Okay, okay. And, you know, I, I know that obviously, you know, hopefully when if, if people that aren't, aren't familiar with your work check out um, Studio Break and, and find a link to your page and all that, um, you know, clearly you're, you're working with landscape to some degrees um, and, and kind of juxtaposing it with this, with these kind of film-based images. Um, do you find that, you know, growing up in, in Nebraska and, and did you kind of feel like there was a big connection in terms of landscape for you or? Um, maybe not while I was living there so much, but um, it is something I think about in, in retrospect and I do think about now. Um, one thing that I think really um, made me aware of that was going back and forth between Nebraska, which had, you know, really flat landscape for the most part and kind of this amazing sky and constant weather changes to uh, Washington State, which didn't change so much in climate, um, but uh, it was, you know, had beautiful landscape in terms of mountains, green, etc., um, and kind of was claustrophobic in certain ways comparatively, like you couldn't see the sky so much. Um, and just moving back and forth between the two, I think I started to become very aware of differences in light and the color of light and just my relationship to space and how I navigated it in, in landscapes. Sure. Sure. Well, and, and so in terms of, you know, relating that to the other component or the other main kind of component in your work, um, you know, what, what is your interest in, in film? Um, and I guess, where do you, where do you kind of see that beginning? And I, I guess in that sense, you know, um, 
could you talk a little bit about the ways that you're interested in, I guess, how that relates to, I guess, I don't know, your, your investigation, but then also, I, I guess, why it's important, you know? Well, um, that also started, I think, largely when I was an undergrad um, out in Seattle. Um, there's a great film scene there. Um, so there are a lot of kind of small nonprofit theaters that would bring in um, avant-garde stuff and sort of classic repertory series, things like that, and also new, um, new independent film. And a lot of the stuff that they had... Um, I guess that those those film forums were related to practices of making film too. So they also had lots of equipment for rents and workshops, and they featured series by um, either people that were locally making films or at least locally producing them. Um, so I think I had a lot of exposure to seeing films on the large screen and also seeing films that... Um, had a, a specific emphasis on, on being handmade in certain ways or hand-manipulated. Mm -hmm. um, so things where there were lots of in-camera tricks, but also people physically or collaging or drawing on the film surface itself. And something about that um, really linked up with, with uh, painting for me. Um, the idea that it was something that was moving and time-based and you know, usually heavily narrative, but these filmmakers were kind of thinking about um, composing images as as paintings, as individual little stills, um, and there's sort of a hands-on process there. I guess also um, with this back and forth between two different types of landscapes um, in the places that I was living and had grown up, um, you kind of get this, you're always comparing, so you're, you're always where you're not. Um, and that is something that I think attracted me to film too, is that films, you know, serve as these portals to other, other spaces. Right. Well, and it's interesting because, um, you've somehow tapped into my interview notes and are following the arc of my questions, um, okay. <laughs> which is a good thing. Um, but, um, I'm really, I'm, I'm really kind of interested in that, that idea that you that you talk a little bit about, um, you know, in terms of the way that, we kind of get these visual cues in our head um, and they, they really kind of do become, I guess, almost like real places in, in some regards. Um, and so it's interesting to kind of see the way that those things kind of reference. Um, do you, do you have a, a particular, I guess, process in terms of um, how you start thinking about so, the way some of these scenes might relate to us or, you know, are there particular scenes that you kind of pick as opposed to other ones in, in terms of, I guess, the films and uh, the film stills and, you know, how they might tell us about a particular place or suggest, you know, some kind of relationship to, I don't know, I guess our, our understanding or, or almost memory of a place? Um, well, my, my process, I guess, usually starts um, just like, going to a theater and sitting there with my mouth open, you know, because I'm so enamored by how beautiful a particular film is. Um, but then I, I will um, get these films on DVD and uh, take captures of stills from the films. And the things that I capture, I'm somewhat indiscriminate. Like, I'll just sit there and watch the film and grab whatever grabs my attention. 
Um, but usually the things that I end up painting from um, are sort of moments that don't have much real connection to whatever the narrative of the film is. They're things that are, are primarily interesting in terms of space and maybe the way that space suggests narrative. Um, so I, especially if you look at the work on the, on the site here, um, I make a lot of compositions from landscape images or interior spaces that have some type of barrier and some type of opening or portal so that there's a suggestion that we're going to move through a space. Um, I'm not sure if I'm remembering the second part of your question here. No, I think, I think that's pretty much it. I, I, I'm just, I guess I'm just curious about, you know, how we relate to films and, and these kind of images and, you know, oh, well, almost like a, almost like a sense of nostalgia for something that you don't, you don't actually kind of know. And, and so I'm interested in that, that process. Right, right. Well, that, that makes sense. And yeah, that, that's something I'd like to talk about too here. Um, I, I do think we are really, as, as just a visual culture, heavily influenced by, by film and the way that um, film presents space. Um, I don't know if we're always totally aware of it, but I do think it, it is a heavy influence on the way that we then uh, think about, imagine, dream, whatnot, um, when we're uh, imagining moving through spaces. I think it's heavily influenced by the way that cameras tell us to move through spaces. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to use that as a way to investigate um, space and painting. Um, when I'm looking for these stills, especially when I find things that um, are not so much related to the narrative, but that are just beautiful images that suggest maybe a next point in the narrative, um, I'm always interested by just how meticulously composed they are. They're you know, just little moments, things that um, probably are not really terribly important to the larger arc of the film, but there's something that clearly several people have invested a lot of time into composing, lighting, considering. Um, and I think for that reason, they start to suggest um, possibilities beyond what the, the film's narrative provides. So when I'm looking at those images, I try and think about um, what else might be happening in the space or what other possibilities there are for navigating the space outside of what the director then you know, tells you to do in the film. Okay, so um, my, my next question for you is just, um, you know, you've, you've talked a little bit about your relationships with uh, landscape and, and film and that. Um, could you talk a little bit about your, your I guess, evolution as a as an artist and, I guess, maybe, you know, some of the different bodies of work that you've kind of worked on over the years? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm interested, especially, you know, in terms of... Um, I guess that relationship with abstraction and then, you know, landscape, if you've ever, you know, purely been a, a abstract painter or, you know, a landscape painter, um, and, and, you know, really how those, those things wound up merging, I guess, in some ways. Well, um, in undergrad, I was a figurative painter, um, working a lot just from observation. And then, um, I, I, did start to incorporate film-related ideas into my work while I was an undergrad, but they were all sort of narrative, figurative things. Um, and I think at that time, painting was 
in my mind still just a way of making making a picture so much not not so much like an autonomous artwork so they were they were pretty um illustrative um i took a, a sculpture class um my my last year of undergrad that was in certain ways my first real introduction into contemporary art and thinking about materials and processes so um my professor for that class had us look at uh, people like Martin Purrier, Eva Hess, Petacoin, and I was really interested in the way they were incorporating materials kind of as, a, as, as their content um, in a lot of ways. And I had never thought about that before and hadn't yet thought about how that might relate to painting. So um, that was kind of an important moment for me and something that pushed my investigation um, of work in grad school. At the beginning of grad school, I was still making these kind of figurative works. I was making little um, figures out of plasticine clay, and they eventually just morphed into these kind of blob forms. And I think working with those, they were, you know, like material blobs. I started painting those from observation. Um, but that, as stupid as it sounds, was kind of licensed for me to start actually using paint as a material. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was sort of the, the first moment where I really started to merge representation and abstraction and just started thinking about abstraction and in terms of the way I would compose a space and maybe make a space disorienting to read. Um, I've never really gone um, fully into abstraction. And I always move back and forth and hover between the two, you know, as soon as I'm getting a little bit representational, I start looking at, you know, great contemporary um, non-representational painters that I love and, you know, feel envious and want to try that. And then um, as soon as I start pushing too far in that direction, then I see someone who's just, you know, really, really adept at describing something and I want to do that too. So I think just, again, this uh, want to do a little bit of, of both um, keeps me hovering somewhere in the middle, which I like. Right. Well, and you've, and also in terms of the, the, you know, the statement, um, that you give about your work, um, you talk about, um, I guess the idea of like set, sets, sets or nests. Um, and I don't know, I, I, like, obviously I, I, there's, there's something that's interesting about, you know, um, organizing or kind of arranging something, um, to help, you know, inform a painting. Um, and, and in that sense, you know, even just in some of the things that you've been saying, it really kind of, reminds me of, um, um, Thomas demand, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I think especially just some of the, some of those, those photographs, um, you know, are probably some of my favorite things. Um, but, um, do, do you wind up then mostly then when you, when you abstract, is it mostly just based off of observation then, um, in terms of the way that you're, you're, I guess, building that, that language into, into it, um, in the same way that you might incorporate, um, all these other different kind of ways of looking at it. Cause I, I know, I just know that there's not, it doesn't sound like there's very like, like a, you know, for this painting, I'm going to, you know, use this photograph or, you know, for this painting, I'm going to use this, you know, set part. Um, but it seems like there's a lot of, you know, orchestrating or um, way that you're kind of building these things. Well, <laughs> uh, it's funny you bring up demand. Um, that's a good, I guess, reference point. So if, if you're not familiar with 
uh, his work, podcast listeners. Um, he makes these really, really kind of incredibly meticulous miniature sets of spaces out of paper materials and then photographs them and destroys the sets and the photograph is the only documentation left. Um, so you should check them out and see how sort of convincing these, these um, mockheads are. Mine are not convincing. <laughs> um, so I will make little three-dimensional mockhead spaces, but they're really just generalizations and approximations. Um, it's fun for a little while, and then I realize I have um, only so much capacity to build things, and I get frustrated. And that, I think, is where some of the abstraction comes in, <laughs> um, is you know the, the wonkiness of... Um, my, my craft and also, you know, just the, the sort of end point where I get frustrated and decide like I'm going to do the rest in painting. Um, but just, just as much actually probably more often than I build three dimensional sets, I make, um, collages that are just a little bit dimensional. Like maybe they stick out half an inch or so. So you'll have pieces of paper or materials that start to cast shadows, um, kind of like a little trompe l'oeil trick. And I'll paint from those as well. And that's that's a nice, I mean, collage, I think, is a great um, uh, process for abstracting in the first place. Um, so that is a, a space where I kind of figure out some of those tricks. Um, I also will, not terribly often, but will do it in the paintings um, themselves, often through a process of, maybe over-dividing the space, like I'll, I'll sort of puzzle piece my composition together and it, it sort of dies on me. Um, and then I will basically like whitewash out an area or just cover over a big section to, to open it back up. Um, that ends up being a place where, where I start to abstract my space. Um, so in terms of that, you know, in terms of putting um, these collages together, do you, do you ever find that um, you still just work from observation just for, I guess, the the sake of practice? Mm, no, not so often. Um, I mean, should, I guess. <laughs> well, um, well, just because I do feel like I'm, I'm losing some ability to do that. Like, for example, um, I, I teach painting and drawing and you, you do too. So you know how strange the demo is in that right. you have to uphold a conversation while trying to concentrate and, you know, make something happen. Um, and that's a space where I feel like I, I should um, maybe practice from observation a little bit more and maybe completely unrelated to my, my studio practice. Um, well, I don't know. I, I think when I work from observation, though, I have... Uh, I have some bad habits, you know, I, I tend to make the same type of painting. I'm not as, as exploratory with the material itself. Um, so that's why I really did start working from the collages and the maquettes and photographs and then the painting itself is, is that it was just all of these different variables that could kind of uh, throw, throw a wrench in the path of what my hand naturally wants to do. Right. Well, and, and I think for me, just, you know, I'm interested in this idea of drawing kind of in the same way that you're, you're acknowledging, um, you know, I, I, I wasn't the strongest in terms of discipline when I was younger. And so, um, it's interesting for me now because I feel like I'm probably, I'm probably the best drawer that I've ever been, okay. which is interesting because I don't, 
I don't get, I don't get in that that practice as much, but I find that you know just in that in that I'm teaching, um, it's something that I I don't know I, I start to think about a lot more. You know, just just that that process of working through something and, and that kind of process of discovery, um, and, and especially for me because I mean, um, a lot of my decisions uh, have changed, I guess, in terms of the way that I make things now. So. Um, I'm just interested in that, that idea of, uh, people's relationship to drawing, you know? Um, and so in following, um, some of those things, um, I think I just have a, I guess a kind of big grand question here. Um, so hopefully it'll be impossible to answer. Um, but you know, just in a lot of the things that we've been talking about, um, you know, and just kind of, again, looking at your work and, 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 and thinking about it, um, I, I kind of wonder, you know, because I think there's a, a almost a disconnection, or at least I, I guess I can speak for myself, but it seems like there's a very real disconnect for me from a real history, you know, like a, a real acknowledgement or, you know, understanding of, of history. And I think for me, what, what's so interesting to me is is how I wind up getting, or at least my time winds up getting you know, taken away by all these popular culture type things. Um, and especially film and, and television, you know, I, I wind up almost having these stories or, or films or, or whatever be like the thing that can kind of inform, you know, who I am. But, but it's weird because I almost look at it as a, like a history in and of itself. Um, so do, do you think that that might be, I don't know, something that, that relates to the way that people think about films and, and why they're so interested in them? Uh, possibly. I, I sort of wonder, um, I don't know. I mean, I sort of wonder how much choice we have in the matter of being influenced by them too. I mean, even if you're not a person that actively watches films or, um, you know, is, you know, enjoys watching films. I think so much of visual culture right now is influenced by that. Um, just the way, I don't know, the, the advertising and billboards are designed, the way people, you know, uh, describe things. Like if I were to, to describe a situation to you, I would probably, you know, just something that happened, something I saw on the street, I would probably describe it in a way that was somehow influenced by the way a camera might describe that situation. Right. Um, I don't know. At the, at the same time, it's kind of funny to think about because film doesn't have um, a, a terribly long history. Um, and right now I think it's going through a really interesting transition where um, film is, I guess, being influenced or is sort of becoming... Um, like like video games um, in that that there is so much emphasis on digital filmmaking and um, 3d rendering special effects that are um, all all completed in the in a computer um, so I feel like a totally different type of space is emerging in film um, and I don't I don't know what I think about that quite yet I'm, I'm not um, terribly impressed with a lot of the sort of emphasis on on um, the digital filmmaking or computer um, rendered uh, space. What, what about 3D, though? <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Another, I, that's also not a, a 3D fan. 
<laughs> but th- but they are making Top Gun in 3D. It's coming out in I think I think this spring. So Seriously. just just saying, <laughs> they're they're trying to re-release everything. Well, that's great. Um, <laughs> well, wait, you mean they're they're just reprinting the original one in 3D, or they're making a new new Top Gun? There will be a new you know goose. Oh no, they're re-releasing it. Um, okay. Sorry, and I I know now I've just train wrecked everything live, but. Um, <laughs> But um, no, it's just interesting to me because they're they're. It seems like they're so strapped for ideas that they're just going to re-release everything that they've ever made that's successful in three D. Um, well, right. I mean, that's that's part of it. Is is I wonder a little bit. Um, one of the things I'm I'm attracted to in film, especially film that's made with a camera and a lens and maybe your hand a little bit, um, is that there are certain limitations on what you can do with space. And that, I think, has required filmmakers over, you know, its relatively short history to be really inventive about how you, how you can get away with things, how you can convince an audience so far um, and then approximate or completely invent um, to, to sort of finish the rest. Um, oh. I, I don't know. It's strange. Like, I feel like... Uh, Loving film on film stock, you know, is is turning me into like a luddite of sorts. <laughs> if that <laughs> makes sense, or if that's even possible. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, as as far as uh, that as an influence over the way that I make paintings, or maybe the way that contemporary artists make their work, I I feel like it's a little bit hard to escape because it is kind of a universal language, right? Um, and that's always something I've I've wondered a little bit or sort of struggled a little bit with in, in my process is that I know this way of seeing and this way of kind of problem solving in relationship to film is the thing that excites me and gets me into the studio. Um, I don't know how important it is uh, for the, the viewer to know that, and I don't know to what extent it actually ends up in the final product. Um, in an obvious way, at least. Right. Well, it, and it's it's really interesting to me just because, you know, the way that we've been kind of talking about this becoming a very digital kind of process or, you know, even you're, you're talking about, you know, the history of film really not even being that long. Um, I think to me the, the one thing that I think about is just the way that a lot of our experience of the world seems to be through through a window, you know, or through some kind of, and you, you even kind of talk about like the idea of a barrier or a portal in, in your work. And, um, I don't know. I almost think about that in terms of the way that we receive our information, you know, right, um, right. just because, you know, you can, you can read all about Occupy Wall Street by, you know, watching news feeds or, you know, live feeds, you know, through the internet, but it's always, everything always seems to be kind of framed, you know, through that window. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think in that regards, it's something that just becomes, I don't know, really interesting to me. And I know that, you know, maybe in a slightly different kind of direction, you know, there, there are people that are very interested in the way that, I guess, technology is kind of influencing that, that kind of perspective um, or even kind of writing about the, that kind of symbiotic almost relationship that we are having now with technology. So it's kind of interesting to, to think about that and then especially to think about the very you know, analog (laughs) 
type of, you know what I mean, actually actual film, you know, uh, making well, things I mean, in a traditional like, way, I guess. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear that last Oh, I, I was saying, you know, just the idea of making something in a traditional way, you know. Well, there is something, too, about, I mean, you're, you're right about the, the window, um, but that's something that, that you're dealing with with, you know, a piece of paper or a canvas or, I mean, we've, we've been doing that for a long time. I, I sort of wonder if what's different, though, um, I don't know. I guess when when you're making a painting, you're looking at something and kind of condensing it down into this specific, um, you know, rectangular space. When you're making a film, it ends up in this rectangular space, but you're in this larger environment first. Um, I sort of wonder if through these, these kind of in-the-round 3D rendering programs, it's just that maybe that there's the disconnect of there sort of being the window first and then the world is created within that mm -hmm. um that sort of makes me feel like the the same kind of world is created every time i don't know or i feel like there's a very specific way there's not a lot of variation or real invention um not or at least not to the same extent as maybe in camera filmmaking or painting or installation where, where there's still some kind of actual worlds being responded to. Right, res right. Responded to, sorry. Well, and, and so, you know, obviously just because a, a lot of this discussion is, is talking about how this, this relates to your work, um, have, you, have you ever considered or have you ever um, made any video works or any film? Uh, yeah, I... I experimented with it a little bit in undergrad um, and really abstract films for the most part. Um, so I did a few where I was physically photocopying, drawing, and painting on 16 millimeter film. Um, and then I did some animation where I shot um, some 16 millimeter film and then animated like a, a character on top of it. Um, and they were both, you know, pretty much epic failures. <laughs> um, but it was it was important, I think, to kind of understand that process and understand my relationship to narrative or, or some type of narrative arc, and know that I'm not not built to um, to coordinate that kind of thing. But it made me very aware then, when I'm making still images, of how I can sort of suggest narrative or what those variables are that make us understand a space. Mm -hmm. Um, however, um, for as much as those initial, um, projects did not work, I have been sort of playing around with, with making a couple of video works now, um, that would be relatively still. Um, I have a, an artist friend in Chicago, his name is Jake Gillespie, and he's been making these, these really short, um, sort of painting, drawing, animations, little videos that are, you know, maybe 20 seconds long. And they're, they're not narrative ideas. They're, they're just like little, little painting and drawing ideas in video form. And I, I think they're really interesting and charming. So um, I'm going to, uh, with my BFA painting class uh, next semester, have him do sort of a collaborative project. Mm -hmm. Um where we're going to try and make some video works that are um, 
painting ideas, if that makes sense, versus narrative or video ideas. Right. Um, and I'm, you know, hoping in the process that I'll sort of try my hand at it. I've, I've been experimenting a little bit here and there so far, but um, just this point in the semester, I haven't, haven't um, had anything come to full fruition yet. So sure, but it's it's on the back burner. <laughs> well, and and so, um, you know, what? How is it? that you did, you know, eventually decide like, you know, this is a, a finished piece or, you know, this is something that I think is done or successful. Um, usually the deadline tells me that. <laughs> Honestly, I, I am the type that will, will just keep working and kill a painting. So, right. um, having, having show deadlines is, is great for me in that it, it gets me to a point where I, I panic think oh no there's no way this is going to be done and I have to show it and I'm so embarrassed um, and it sort of forces me to make some really like practical decisions that hopefully keep the painting kind of fresh versus overworked um, so that's usually the deciding factor for me um, every now and then a painting just happens to have a great little spatial thing going on and the surface is you know um, built up the way I want it to be and it it just stays done. Um, so usually it is something where I'm, I'm seeing some type of, um, spatial confusion, confusion or space relationship, um, that's, that's buzzing or kind of interesting. Um, that usually tells me when to stop. Amanda, you know, you were talking about, you know, the idea of overworking or, or, you know, just really kind of working a painting and working a painting until you kind of uh, have a deadline, but that you can keep kind of working on something. And, you know, a little anecdote that I had, I had heard, I can't remember who this artist was, but I remember talking to somebody um, somewhere, probably in art school, about um, uh, an artist that had sold a piece to, I don't know if it was just like a collector or a couple or something like that, but that, you know, something like 10 years later, um, this person apparently tried to break in to rework the painting. Um, and so, I, again... A little, maybe maybe not to that extent, Amanda. I don't, I don't know that you're gonna get uh, get busted for for breaking and entering or anything like that soon. But um, um, I kind of invite if if anybody uh, that might listen to this podcast, um, if that was the person that I had this conversation with you about, it'd be really interesting to know who this artist was. Um, so I just yeah, kind of I'd like to know too. That's that's a great story. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're we're only so dedicated. I've never I've never hunted a painting down and and. <laughs> You know, geez, now that line just looks so much better. You know, that edge is so much cleaner. Um, and so, you know, we, we've talked a lot about, you know, uh, landscape and film and, and all that. Um, and I guess my next question is really just about, you know, the how does um, maintaining that other aspect of, of uh, your life, which is, well, life, um, how does that relate into into your studio practice? What are What are your distractions, I guess? What are my distractions? Or your your challenges that, that attempt to steal all of your studio time, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, um, I teach at a university, um, and it's, you know, sort of a double-edged sword in terms of um, relationship to studio practice, because it, it definitely does uh, prevent me from getting into the studio as much as I would like. But at the same time, I think um, working with students 
and just kind of having to be on my toes about uh, talking about painting um, is is really helpful and fuels my studio practice. So maybe in that sense, I don't end up with quite as much time, but maybe there's a little little extra energy. Um, teaching at, at Indiana University right now too. I'm in a studio building with um, the graduate students in painting and that's been really fantastic. It hasn't been exactly like being in grad school again, but um, they're just a, a really great energetic group. Um, it's just nice to kind of be in a big facility and see what other people doing and or what other people are doing and um, I don't know. Yeah, again, sort of just raises the bar, keeps things, you know, a little bit competitive. Um, they're great to have conversations with and just sort of see everyone's uh, process and whatnot. So, um, again, it, it can keep me from the studio a little bit, but when I get there, I think it's it's more worthwhile. Well, and, you know, we, we've kind of obviously spent a lot of time talking about film, um, but... Um, are there? Do you, do you ever uh, watch anything while you while you work, or is it no, something that you kind of keep separate? Well, I don't watch while I work. Um, I I will listen to things, um, and I I go through cycles of what I end up listening to um, while I'm working. Um, like right now, I'm I'm um, really big into music, just listening to albums. Um, I've discovered Spotify, so I'm pretty addicted to that and, you know, making playlists and listening to that in the studio. Um, sometimes I like books on tape in the studio, and there are only certain things I can listen to um, if, if it requires a significant level of concentration to follow the author's argument or, or whatnot. I can't listen to it in the studio, but um, I don't know, like, popular nonfiction works really well in the studio. Um, Victorian novels, <laughs> because they're sort of uh, like like soap operas in certain ways, work pretty well. Um, let's see. Sometimes I will listen listen to like turn on Netflix and just listen to television series or films, um, but usually only if I've I've seen them before and know them pretty well. Right. Well, and, and do you have any I guess specific genres of films that you're taken with, or I mean, even if they're not related to something that you would, uh, you know, base a painting off of. I, I don't know, for example, if there's been, you know, something where you're a big fan of Howard the Duck and it just hasn't found, <laughs> found a way into a painting. Uh, no, no, not so much. Um, I'm, I'm pretty indiscriminate when it comes to genre. Um, really, it's, I guess this is the same with music, as long as it's kind of thoughtful and well-made you know, I guess I'm just thinking more more about the integrity of the work versus what, what genre it might be. Um, but I do really like uh, films from the late 60s, um, early 70s. Mm -hmm. um, I guess just in terms of their, their, their willingness to kind of play around with space in relationship to like a political or social message. I don't know. I just feel like there, there were a lot of chances being taken there in, in kind of mainstream films that, that are interesting and not so much happening in, in contemporary film. Sure. Well, and, and the reason why I asked too, is just cause I mean, there's, you know, I think there's that, that same thing that's going on that we've kind of talked about where you, 
or not you specifically, but but a viewer might, you know, start to kind of, you know, relate to a specific space or, you know, even even if it isn't, you know, something that isn't the the predominant, you know, image that think that people think of when they think of a, uh, you know, a movie like The Shining or something and think of like a hotel filling with, you know, blood. Um but um I I for some reason some of them really kind of remind me of almost having like a science fiction kind of feel. Um yeah. And so I, I didn't I didn't know if that you know what I mean I didn't know if that was something that was a uh, influence or something that was directly and it, and I think even you kind of talked about the idea of you know video games not necessarily related to your work um but but I, I almost kind of get you know a little there's almost like a staging that's kind of involved in those kinds of spaces or at least the way that I kind of associate that with or even just like you know for a, a lack of a better example like um, I know what it, I feel like I know what it's like walking around on the Enterprise, um, and there's a certain I don't know there's there's certain paintings that you have that really kind of remind me of that, and I, I don't know I, I think I just think it's interesting, and even though I'm going to go on a complete and crazy tangent here, um, I was thinking that like too, you know, I think you spend so much time with something that <clears throat> it almost really does become you know like a real space. You know what I mean? Like, I like there's. Granted, I'm not, I'm not going to conventions, but, um, you know, there's probably people out there that could tell you, you know, how to get around on the enterprise of the next generation, and that's probably a sad confession. But, um, but um, yeah, I, I think that sci- that sci-fi thing comes comes through at some point. So is that is that something that? Well, that's that's funny because I've I've definitely heard that before, and I actually don't actively watch a lot of science fiction films. Um, well, okay. With that with that said, I think there are a lot of films that are really influenced by sort of invented science fiction like space. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's part of it. Um, I. I think some of the the other things that maybe push it into that realm is that in a lot of science fiction films, um, I think the spaces are generalized in certain ways. You know, I, I, I think the characters or, or, you know, like if there are any like non-human life forms involved or if there's like a specific... Don't know control panel or something that like a gadget that has to do something. I think those things get really specific, but I think the rest of the space is actually really clean and generalized um, because I think if it became too specific, we wouldn't necessarily believe it as much. If that makes sense, yeah, for sure, it wouldn't seem quite as otherworldly. Um, so. That might be part of it, is that when I'm making the little maquette sets, I do generalize, you know, things are left a little bit um, plain and plainer um, and open. And then I also, I like to work with uh, colored colored lights when I'm lighting my little maquette spaces. So um, pink and green, or I guess magenta and cyan um, are, are some of my my old standbys, so that might be part of it too. But I, I guess probably just the generalization of space or making it kind of clean um, might be the thing that, that really starts to make the work push in that direction. Sure. Yeah. And, well, and so I've got my last softball and then a slew of extremely 
you know, torturous, <laughs> difficult questions here. Um, do, you, do, you, do you have like a, a, I guess almost like something that you describe as like a, a guilty pleasure, a, a, a big trouble in little China, if you will? Um, let's see. Um, I guess for me, well, I'll watch, watch things like that, you know, like goofy zombie movies are great, whatnot, but I don't even know if those are guilty pleasures so much. I guess the thing for me that would be sort of a guilty pleasure is like, I don't know, like dumb rom-coms that I like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, I've seen, uh, singles quite a few times. <laughs> That's, that's probably a, a guilty pleasure for me. I've never made a painting about it. There's nothing nothing to paint. There. Right. But, you know, can't sleep. Going to put that VHS in. Sure. Well, you know, and it's it's interesting. Um, you know, well, because, I mean, even in, and I'm kind of relating this to the way that you talked about, um, you know, trying videos when you were, you were younger, or at least some of your older videos, not necessarily some of the newer projects that you might be dealing with. But, um, you know, I, too, have... Uh, kind of started painting these artifacts, but for some reason they, they always seem to be very, um, innocent in nature. Movies like, like Footloose in particular. Mm-hmm. I had, a, I had, a, I had, it seemed like I had a month or two that I, that I was going to be painting film stills from, from popularized movies and, and things like that. Um, but, um, I don't know. I, th- I think they're fun questions anyways. Those, those kind of like those movies that you kind of, for some reason can just watch, like um like a Christmas vacation when it comes on AMC and you know like the day after Thanksgiving and runs all the way to Christmas Eve. <laughs> um, it's, it's funny too that you mentioned Footloose because that I guess in my memory is the first film that I remember when I was uh, very young. I guess the the beginning I haven't seen it in a while. Um, the beginning it opens with like these feet tapping. <laughs> right. And one of them like turns around in this way that. I don't know, anatomically shouldn't work or whatnot. And apparently when I was young, I would just watch the opening of Footloose on repeat. Right. So, yeah, that's where it all started. So I'm, I'm thinking of one of my favorite movies now um, and wondering, just because we brought up this this rom-com kind of thing, and <laughs> even just that, that term is something that I... That I haven't that I haven't even used that much, but um, are you a, a fan or have seen um, the movie Some Kind of Wonderful with Eric Stoltz? No, I don't believe I have. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Um, I'm gonna have to send you another link. It's it's probably one of my favorite favorite guilty pleasures. Right. Um, but there, I'm always looking for a new one. There's something there's something nice about a coming of age story. It makes you, um, I guess, it makes you acknowledge and feel like. Good gosh, I'm glad I don't have to deal with that anymore. Right, right. I was actually, this is totally um, a tangent, but thinking the other day, I, I don't know how the system works, but they've they've changed the SAT tests, so mm-hmm. the, the way that they um, score the tests, and I think maybe the written component is now part of the, the standard test. Um, but I, I sort of realized this other the other day I was walking by and heard um, some students having a conversation about SAT scores and they threw out these numbers that didn't make sense to me uh, based on, on the you know scale that I grew up with. And I just thought about all of these like great 80s films that are now going to be obsolete because the, you know, the entire thing is based on like taking the SATs and getting, you know, a particular score and that whole struggle. Um, so that was, that was kind of a sad moment. <laughs> well, and it'll be a lost history, you know. E- exactly. 
exactly, exactly. In, so. in the same way that um, I, I don't know that it's actually, I think it's actually more of a joke for me, but I even, I talk about the card catalogs to my students and I'm, I'm realizing that it probably really is a joke for me. Right. You know, because right. there's going to be a point very soon where they're like, what's he talking about? Right. You know, what's a card catalog? Um, and so, so, so we've now, we've now come, come to the big time, uh, the, the big, the big enchilada, if you will. Um, and so, you know, obviously you teach art, um, but you know, for somebody that might be getting involved in art, um, I mean, do you think that's, do you, do you pretty much just shove them and, and say, yeah, go for it, be an artist or, you know, do you, do you, I don't know. How do you advise someone in terms of that that's interested in, in the arts, or, or you know, do you tell them to think really long and hard about it? <laughs> um, that is a hard question. Well, I don't know. For me, I think it's important to judge whether the person genuinely is interested. I think some some people um, are more fond of the idea or. Uh, I don't know, the sort of stereotypical lifestyle that might come with it or whatnot. So um, you can usually suss that out in a person pretty quickly. Like, are they genuinely curious about things? Um, and if they are genuinely curious about things, um, I, yeah, I say go for it. I mean, if, if that's what you want to do, that's, that's what, you know, you'll have to contend with. Um, Otherwise, I, I don't know. Um, I think especially for students, when you're I, one one sort of art or humanities degree, I think as an undergrad is is relatively equivalent to another in terms of getting a job. Right. Um, so I, I don't know how much it matters in in that regard. But if if someone is genuinely curious, um, I usually encourage them to consider grad school, you know, to, to think about some of these, these options. Well, and it's interesting because I just, I, I think that it, I think it's, it's one of those overlooked things, you know, because, um, the, you know, the arts are maybe the first areas to get cuts in terms of funding. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, and to my, probably to my detriment, there's times that I really kind of marvel at my ability to research something but in a very silly way, but, but I, I can't help but think that, you know, it's, it's all because of years and years of sitting in a room and, you know, <laughs> looking at, looking at something somebody made and, and kind of talking about it. So, right. um, and, and in well, that sense, I, I think it's really interesting, but, but obviously, you know, there's so many different, you know, struggles and hardships, which is, which is why, you know, I think that, that I've been kind of, this is actually one of the, the questions that I've been re-asking some of the, the previous guests. Um, well, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, I've been thinking about this um, just in relationship to, you know, like going on the job market, applying for teaching positions or deciding, you know, maybe I need to do something else. What might that be? You know, just all, all of these, these options and knowing that all of those different paths are um, really competitive. Um, but I'm, I'm stopping to think about, you know, all of all of the um, artist friends, people that I went to grad school with, anyone that I know um, who's working in the arts who, you know, again, is just genuine, genuinely curious, and not just about art, but in general, um, and is motivated 
is, you know, is making it in some capacity. I mean, I don't know anyone who's just completely dropped, you know, off of the, the art world's, uh, you know, face of the earth. Um, I don't know. It seems like if, if you really are genuinely motivated to make it work, it, it, it can happen. You know, it might be, um, might not exactly happen the way you had hoped it, it would um, or had imagined it would, but... Right. Right, right. I, I don't know. I think if it is something that you'd like to pursue, you can pursue it, so... Well, and so in following that up, what, what was it that made you pursue it? Is there, um, is, is there any kind of moment in particular that you go, you know, that one summer made that painting and <laughs> it unlocked no, actually, this, this door, but... Actually, um, I had always... Made art in some capacity, or you know, made made pictures, um, and had been genuinely curious about a lot of different things. Um, when I went to undergrad, I thought I was going to um, double major in um, art and biology, but realizing you know that that both of those majors required um, like lab length courses, you know, studio length courses and labs and whatnot. Um, would have taken a few extra years at a um, pretty expensive university, so I right. decided to drop the science. Um, yeah, but I, I don't know. Beyond that, um, no, there wasn't really like an epiphany moment. Right. What I've always wanted to do, I guess. Right, right. Well, and so in terms of that, you know, um, can you think of, uh, you know, a, a piece or, or something that you've seen a show recently that, or even maybe something that isn't recent, you know, is there anything that you can think of that just jumps out to you that like, you know, that was an amazing show? Mm. Um, let's see, recent things, um, the Mark Bradford show at the MCA in Chicago. Right on. Was, was great. Um, I, I, I love his work. I, had seen individual pieces in different places. Like there's a great one at uh, the Tate Modern in London. Um, it's just gigantic. Uh, I'd seen some at the Walker Art Center, and I had seen him lecture there too, which was was interesting. Um, mostly because it was a strange, like I don't know, interdisciplinary lecture where he was sort of doing something in relationship to Art Twenty One. So they showed his video, and then they had him talk about a very specific project that he was doing that um that art project mm -hmm. uh they had a piece of it at the mca in new orleans um right I've and seen then that. had him give an artist lecture and a q a so it was, it was a little all over the place but he, he was good sport and i think just talks about work pretty naturally um but anyway the the show uh i think was was interesting in that i could start to compare his different bodies of work and thinking I think especially about the the really large-scale, like, poster and map pieces in relationship to the, the sort of simpler, um, those uh, newsprint images that he was making. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess they're just, like, ink on newsprint, those sort of gray, gray works um, that he had in the other gallery. Right. Um, I don't know. I guess just then in general, um, seeing, uh, let's see. Any type of work that that sort of, I guess, it, any you, work that... Are you going to say painting? I'm sorry? Are you going to say any work that's just painting? 
no, no, no. Actually, usually <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of things like Edward Hopper, you know, anytime I see a new Edward Hopper, I, you know, die of joy. Um, but anytime I see uh, work that, that disorients me spatially um, is pretty exciting. So, like, uh, I saw a Tara Donovan show at the Des Moines Art Center that, you know, just made me, like, totally nauseous, and I loved it. Right. Um, so, yeah, actually, a lot of times it's it's really material-based things. I mean, Bradford, I guess you can, can – well, he considers himself a painter, but right. I, I don't look at his work um, so much as painting as kind of like collage and material exploration. Right, right. And I'm looking at it for, it for the materials in specific. Sure. Well, and, you know, um, just having been able to go to um, Prospect One – um, you know, I, I would highly encourage anybody that might be listening to this to, to check it out in New Orleans. I, I, I'm not entirely sure how long it runs, but I remember seeing that art piece, um, you know, in, in that, in that context of it. And it was, you know, there's a lot of really interesting work for that show. I don't, you know, it, even just kind of thinking about it now, um, the way that it's set up, or at least it was set up, there was a lot of site, site specific stuff relating to, um, you know, uh, Hurricane Katrina, um. But um, that was a really amazing piece. So I mean, I, th- I think if there's anything, just um, trying to go out, trying to go out and see things is such an important aspect. I think of what we do, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and so before we let you get out of here, is there is there anything um, anything coming up that we should check out, or anything that you want to plug before we say good, goodbye and go go our own ways? Um, well, I have a couple of shows up right now. Um, one that I believe ends this week, um, it's at the University of Minnesota Morris. It's a solo show up there. Again, I think it ends this week. And then I am in a three-person show in Chicago at Mink and Arsa Gallery. Um, it's in the Andersonville neighborhood. So uh, that's up through, I believe, mid-December. Excellent, excellent. And then your website? Uh, my website is amandasmithart.com. All right. Well, I hope everybody goes and checks that out. Um, again, Amanda, thanks for taking the time today uh, to talk with me, even even through all of my hiccups. It was a, it was a fun conversation. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. I enjoyed it, too. Thanks again for listening to the Studio Break Podcast. You can find out more about Amanda and her work by visiting amandasmithart.com. If you'd like to download free music, I highly suggest freemusicarchive.org. They've got a lot of free stuff, a lot of different genres. Currently, we're listening to Eric Salazar's Little Movie. If you'd like to see more of my work, you can do that by visiting davidlinaway.com or I highly suggest coming out to my show that's opening this Sunday at What It Is in Oak Park from 3 to 8, Sunday the 20th. If you'd like to find or listen to more episodes, see other examples of artists, please visit studiobreak.com. While you're visiting Studio Break, please, please leave us some comments. It'd be great to get some feedback from you and hear what you have to say. Other than that, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and we'll talk to you real soon.